Welcome to the Solo Travel Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I am here to get you empowered, inspired, and excited to take your next solo travel adventure. Every week, we're going to share tips, we're going to dive into destinations, we're going to talk with other experts all about solo travel so you can learn ways to make the most out of your next adventure. So thank you for joining us. Enjoy this episode. Hello, solo travelers. Happy New Year. Can you believe it is already 2021? I feel like I was just cheersy and champagne with my friends, ringing in 2020, not knowing what an absolute shit show it was going to be. And here we are a year later. I am just mind blown. I'm also really just excited because although 2020 was not the year we all wanted it to be and all expected it to be, it really wasn't all that bad. Yes, some horrible things happened and are still happening. Just because it's the new year doesn't mean that all went away. But I have to say 2020 was also a really great year from starting my travel business to this podcast to becoming a published author and my little brother getting married. A lot of good things happened that has allowed me to focus on 2021 as the year of hope and the year of rebirth and the year of getting re-empowered. And so Although I know many of you listening probably went through some really, really difficult, hard times during 2020, I hope you are celebrating and enjoying the fact that it is 2021. And although things will not get better overnight, there is hope. And that's just my little New Year message I just wanted to give to you before we get started on episode eight of the Solo Travel Woman podcast. So... Obviously, 2020 really put a damper on travel. Um, a lot of us looked to virtual travel. We started watching more and more exploration videos. And we started looking into ways we can do staycations, travel locally within our own neighborhoods or homes or our own countries and states. And I think we're all, and you know, I speak for myself and I'm sure other people, really excited about hopefully within the next few months, if not within a half a year or so, being able to really get out there and start to explore the world again. And because of that, I wanted the first episode of the new year to kind of go into the state of the travel industry and what we can expect things to look like moving forward, at least in the near future, around travel. Also, National Geographic put out their top on the rise destinations for 2021 and it's centered around sustainability, culture, adventure, all these great things and I want to be able to share that with you and also touching on I am from America, our restrictions are a little higher compared to some other countries and I wanted to touch on what that looks like at this moment for Americans who may want to travel abroad so where you can go and things like that. So first things first, let's look at you know, the state of the industry. You know, the future definitely looks bright but for 2021 and beyond. And now that doesn't mean things are going to go 100% back to normal. Let's be real. It will never, nothing will go 100% back to normal, okay? Going to a bowling alley and using the same ball that everyone and their mother used without it being sanitized will never happen again. Um, new trends have emerged and they're likely to stay. But despite that and the fact that borders have closed and canceled flights have meant we've lost nearly a year of travel, it's really made us appreciate what travel is and what it does for our soul and for our mind and for our world. Okay, it's it's one of those you don't know what what you've got till it's gone type scenarios. And this will be no different moving forward. But I do think the future looks bright. And what we can expect for the future, here's just some some ideas. So I personally think, and I, I have read on this as well, that we can expect there to be less crowding at major tourist hotspots. So 
even after the restrictions are loosened and you can gather in more groups and so on and so forth, I do think people are going to be a little bit more weary and like considerate about really packing into museums and attractions and so on and so forth. I do think that you're going to see a continuation of like booking time slots and more reservations just to control the flow of tourists moving forward. Me personally, I don't mind this. Um, I am one of those people that when I'm somewhere, I want to see everything. And I remember when I was in London and I went to the museum where the Rosetta Stone was, I was so sad because I'm someone who I like to read everything when I go to museums. And I I mean everything. Um, I'm annoying. What should take like a couple hours, it takes me a whole darn day um, to get through a museum. And I really wanted to see the Rosetta Stone. It was super cool to me. And I couldn't even see it. Because there was just so many people taking pictures of it. And it was the most annoying thing. So I personally am someone who, if that goes into play where you have to make reservations and there's going to be booking time slots, I think that's great. Because then it allows everyone to get their money's worth when they go to these places and to actually take in the full experience. I also think that you're going to see international travel becoming a little more expensive. And I know that sucks because it already is quite expensive, but you got to understand they've the economy really depends on tourism no matter what country and city you go to and a lot of that was lost this past year and to make up for that with bookings dropping so on and so forth i do think we're going to see prices go up um local travel may be booming but as more people express plans to reduce trips by airfare fare and may not want to go out of town i do think airlines and hotels will have to increase payments to make up for the capacity that they're lacking. Um, and I, I think that's something important as we move forward when traveling. I myself also book destination events and plan large corporate meetings and trips that require hotel blocks. And I think for anyone in those situations, you're definitely going to see that. That also means for us solo travelers, you're going to see increases in, you know, single occupancy rates. You know, that's already expensive as it is. You're going to see that increase more. So when you move into budgeting for future travel, keep that in mind. Um, It's not going to be what it was. Also, one of my favorites (laughs) is you're going to see a return to booking through travel agents. I've said this time and time again, I don't think booking through a travel agent has ever died. I think even with the you know, sites such as Expedia and Booking.com and so on and so forth. There is something about booking with a travel agency agent or agency that really gives you a sense of security. And I think that's just going to be more and more proven as the time comes. Um, With booking flights, hostels, hotels, cruises, and more, people kind of began to view travel agents as a throwback to pre-internet days. However, I think the value in booking with a travel agent is going to be seen more because we know what insurances you need, how to plan sustainable, safe, and meaningful travel, how to make sure when you do travel, you are making the most of your experience and really getting to know the culture and not just being a tourist. You're going to be an immersive traveler. And I think that is going to be so important moving forward because with travel becoming more expensive, with you know the regulations that I think will continue to stay in place, you want to be able to make the most out of every trip you go on. So leave it to a professional. And like I've always said, when you find the right travel agent, for example, me, <laughs> when you find the right travel agent, you shouldn't have to pay for their services. So this should not cost you anything extra. It should actually hopefully save you money. But also in the long run, the most important thing is it's going to save you time and frustration. So I do think travel agents are going to become more and more popular. Uh, Flights, they're going to be filled to capacity, guys. Um, Don't think you're going to be getting lucky with that empty seat next to you. Um, I think the financial toll of COVID is going to mean less flights are going to be happening, which means that there's every flight that does happen is going to be more full. Um, So it's not going to be cost effective anymore to take off with a half empty plane. Um, You're going to see less choices of flight states. You're going to see um, because these airlines need to get a return on their fuel and their associated costs of flying and they need to recoup all this money that they lost. You're going to see some airlines dying out, guys. I mean, it's just going to happen. And so it raises the important debate, though, of upholding passenger safety and preserving profit margins. So that's why you are going to see some airlines 
I believe, go out of business. Um, But just know that when it comes to planning your trip, this means planning in advance more is going to be important, but you need to be flexible with last minute scheduling changes that are out of anyone's control but the airline's because they're going to want to make sure flights are to capacity so you might find flights getting combined and so on and so forth last minute in order to meet those capacity requirements. There's going to be a higher premium on cleanliness. So cleaning and sanitation is obviously at the forefront of everyone's mind right now. Wherever you go, this will not shift. In fact, I think it's only going to get more intense um, and more costly. There's going to be higher hygiene classes on airplanes, Um, there's going to be stricter surface and air quality control. And while this might seem kind of crazy, it's not unreasonable to acknowledge that these are already in place for hotels and Airbnb accommodations. And I mean, malls had to reopen with a whole new ventilation system. So this is just going to continue. And it's another reason why you are going to see costs go up at these places because now they have to cover all this extra, all these extra steps for hygiene and safety. Um, masks. I mean, that's just going to be the norm. We all know this. Um, I I remember when COVID first started, I was like, oh, watch New York Fashion Week. It's all going to be about the new mask line that Ralph Lauren and Gucci put out. You know, I made like a funny statement. Well, it's so true because I find myself always buying masks because I'm like, oh, I don't have one to match this outfit. It's become such an accessory and a fashion staple. Um, So that's just going to continue, guys. Although there's vaccines going out there, you're still going to want to wear a mask. And I'm not going to lie, even when vaccines are happening, I'm probably going to still want to wear a mask because I'm going to be paranoid. It is what it is. Also, I mean, you got nothing to lose. It's a mask. It's not the worst thing, and especially in crowded areas. And if you travel to certain areas in Asia, I mean, it's been a norm for a long time. And they've been doing just fine. So I personally think that's going to be completely, completely a normal thing going forward. And lastly, I think staycations and local travel are here to stay. I know living in America, anytime I would get a long vacation, I would always think, oh my God, you have to go abroad. You have to do this. And that is far from the truth because you're going to know, and no matter what country you live in, whether it's Brazil or or England or Greece or Germany or US, wherever you live, there's so much to discover in our own backyards. And I think that is definitely going to continue on because there is gonna there are gonna be people that just will never be comfortable traveling abroad. I mean, I know people that have never been comfortable traveling abroad, and I think that the simplicity of it, of traveling locally and doing staycations and just renting a cabin in the woods, I think are gonna it, it's appealing and people are gonna want that moving forward. Um, and I think. I, I do think those type of staycations are actually quite romantic um, and they're a lot fun because you become a tourist in your own city again. You become a traveler in your own home. And I think that's really important to rediscover that love for where you live. Um, so I do, I do think that's going to move forward. So I hope from all these tips, you can at least take away that, yes, 2020 has been a crazy year with challenges and lots of change and our health and both mental and physically has completely suffered. Um, from job loss to life loss to, you know, becoming, taking on a career you never knew you needed, such as teaching if you've never been a teacher. I think 2021 brings on so much hope and it's the year to rebuild and travel is not going to go away. Even during the pandemic, it was happening just on a different level. And I think that we're going to embrace travel more and we're going to embrace experiencing new cultures and we're going to embrace being around people in a more meaningful way. And I think that's just going to continue for years to come. All right, so let's jump into National Geographic's top destinations for 2021. They fall into the categories of sustainability, family, nature, adventure, and culture. So first things first is sustainability. I have been to this location and I have to say it is absolutely beautiful from beaches to zip lining in the volcanoes. Costa Rica is the pioneer of sustainable tourism. Imagine a country that is one quarter national park and a place where you can hike a rainforest in the morning and surf tropical waves in the afternoon. Costa Rica is it. They have been putting conservation at its forefront since the 1970s with drives to protect areas, close zoos, and reverse deforestation. So if you're someone who really cares about sustainable tourism, Costa Rica is the place to go. 
Next on our list is taking us into Africa. With 13 natural parks, Gabana is a place where elephants and hippos roam free, where dense inland forests, which make up to 80% of its landmass, are home to critically endangered western lowland gorillas. This location really cares about wildlife and the species that they are trying to protect. In fact, they only allow just one group of four visitors per day to try and find the local troop of gorillas. So if you are someone who respects wildlife, respects endangered species, and wants to help be a part of the solution to preserve them and to keep their species going, this is a location for you. Helsinki, Finland is basically, their motto is sustainability made easy. So sustainability is not just a buzzword there. They are vowed to be carbon neutral by 2035 and are part of the Carbon Neutral Cities Alliance. Their bid to go green has also involved tourism with a campaign by the city's tourist board to quote unquote, think sustainability, which shows you how to put together a trip of a lifetime while going easy on the planet. Coming into the US is Denver, Colorado, the green giant in the American West. So despite financial challenges related to COVID-19, Denver is powering forward with its goal of achieving 100% renewable electricity by 2023. Among their latest forward-thinking initiatives are 125 miles of new bike lanes by 2023 and solar gardens to be planted on municipal car parks, rooftops, and vacant land on 20, by 2021. Alanisos, Greece. Apologies if I've totally butchered that. <laughs> so this 873 square mile National Marine Park and Northern Sporades established in 1992 to protect endangered Mediterranean monk seals is a watery wonderland for divers. The site is thought to hold cargo from a large Anthenian barge that sank in the 5th century BC. To explore this submerged museum in person, you'll need to be able to dive to depths of 80 feet or more on a guided tour. So I'm sure this can actually fit in adventure travel as well. But as we all know, Greece is magical. It is beautiful. I've been there and oh my gosh, I, anyone who has not traveled, I suggest going to Greece. It was actually my first solo travel trip. Next on the list is Copenhagen, Denmark. So on track to become the world's first carbon neutral capital by 2025, Copenhagen has five times more bicycles than cars. A tour on an electric bike easily takes in the city's most well-known places, from the Haven, a former industrial port now lined with restaurants and bars, to Rutedaren, I don't know if I said that right, a 17th century astronomical observatory housing exhibitions. The city has an efficient public transport network too, and all its buses are switching from diesel to electric. How cool is that? New Caledonia, France, where marine life thrives in the South Pacific. <laughs> Humpback whales, green sea turtles, and dugongs throng in the French territory, Pacific Island. Inscribed as a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 20, 2008, New Caledonia's lagoons represent one of the world's most extensive reef systems with pristine waters and more than 9,000 marine species. In 2014, the government created the 50... 500,000 square mile Coral Sea Natural Park, which extends well beyond the UNESCO site, to which visits are strictly regulated. Now the territory has taken further steps. Fishing, nautical sports, and boats carrying more than 200 passengers are banned. Furthermore, the government aims to ban all disposable plastics in the territory by 2022. I personally think this is amazing because if you've read on it, one of the saddest things is how destroyed the Great Barrier Reef in Australia is getting and how they're trying to reverse the effect on pollution and what we have done to our environment. And so the fact that this location in France is really taking into consideration how to protect that reef and how to really make um, things more sustainable to continue on the protection of this reef, I think is extremely important. Number eight, Freiburg, Germany. The historic university city, gateway to the Black Forest and covered in woodland, is powered by solo, bi solar, biomass, wind, and hydroelectricity. Walking, biking, e-buses, and trams are the main modes of transport, boosting chances they will meet its goals of cutting CO2 emissions in half or more by 2030 and achieving climate neutrality by 2050. So that's sustainability. So now, if you are into nature and wildlife, which a couple of those above really fit into this category as well, but these next six locations are really focused on nature and wildlife. So first we have Scotland. <laughs> Since 2003, the 39 square mile 
Aladal Wilderness Reserve, an hour north of Inverness, has planted close to a million native trees, restored damaged peatland, and reintroduced now thriving population of red squirrels. <laughs> How cute. Red squirrels are so adorable. It's not only rewilding projects elsewhere, beavers and golden eagles are making a comeback. I think that's amazing. South Africa, safaris for a new era. <laughs> of all of Africa's great wildlife destinations, South Africa is easily best set up for independent travel. Anyone queasy about trying to social distance in a tour group can self-drive around the big five in wild havens such as Kruger and Otto Elephant National Parks. And Huluwi Imfolzo Park. <laughs> Sometimes when I try to pronounce things, guys, I just have to laugh at myself because I... If you could see the word I was reading, you would understand my struggle. But this is where online booking systems with the rival windows have been set up. So going back to what I said in the first part of this podcast, I definitely think that, you know, booking systems and, you know, really limiting how many tourists can be in museums and national parks and so on and so forth is going to happen moving forward. And this just kind of proves that point here. Um, The 67,000-acre Samara Private Game Reserve in the Eastern Cape has introduced fly camping experiences for guests traveling in groups of one to six where a guide and wildlife tracker cook dinner over the fire. How nice is that? All right. The Cerrado, Brazil, which is, quote-unquote, the closest thing to Jurassic Park, covering nearly a quarter of Brazil's land service. This marvel is eclipsed for environmental attention by its neighbor, the Amazon. It's, so, it's a source of several major South American rivers and home to 5% of the planet's plants and animals. Yet the Cerrado is suffering from deforestation. More than 40,000 square miles have been destroyed in the past decade alone. Travel with operators that help fund the conservation of its unique wonders, including 10,000 species of plants, as well as boar-like tappers, giant armadillos, giant anteaters, and the buriti palm, nesting tree of choice for over 850 bird species. So again, can fit into sustainability, but also part of nature and adventure. Lord Howe Island, Australia, one of the Earth's most isolated ecosystems known to its handful of residents as the last paradise, tiny Lord Howe Island permits a maximum of 400 visitors at any one time. Its reefs host over 500 types of fish and threatened species, including the whale shark and the hawksbill turtle. The island's protecting paradise program enlists volunteers to remove invasive species and conserve such endemics as the endangered Lord Howe Island stick insect, believed extinct until 2001. Back into the U.S., Isle Isle Royal, Michigan, where wolves and moose roam. (laughs) Isle Royal in the northwest of Lake Superior is populated with unique mammal species, descendants of the hardy creatures who managed to cross the lake. Since 1958, scientists have been observing Isle Royals, wolves, and moose in the world's longest predator-prey study. While only a single wolf pair remained in 2018, a multi-year relocation plan began to restore the population. The isolation and solitude mainly beckoned seasoned backpackers, kayakers, and canoeists who arrive equipped to navigate Isle Royals' roadless backcountry country and inland take paddling route chain of lakes next we have Yellowknife in the northwest territories of canada so sitting at the edge of the arctic on the banks of the great salve lake and surrounded by wild taiga the city of 20,000 came into being when gold was discovered in the area back in 1930s so those are our six locations around nature and wildlife so let's head into adventure Greenland. How can we have an adventure category without Greenland on the list? So all year, (laughs) we've probably been seeking out some sort of escape to places where the views unravel to eternity and the stresses of what you know seem completely far away. This is where Greenland comes into place. It is the world's largest island remains of one of the most remote corners on the planet. An iceberg fringe, high latitude realm of glaciers, fords, and mountains. New for 2021, Quark Expedition's Greenland Adventure Explore by Sea, Land, Air Voyage is a first for polar travel. The expedition itinerary has been put together in conjunction with the island's community and includes some seriously adventure off-ship activities via 
helicopter. So if you are an adventurer, this is a place for you guys. Also on the list, Antarctica. Who would not want to go to Antarctica? (laughs) The morning of Friday, December 4th, 2021 won't easily be forgotten in Antarctica. Not because of the iceberg laden bays or the edge of the earth penguin colonies, although all of the above will be on hand to keep travelers mouth agape, but because a total, total solar eclipse will be visible from the Antarctic Peninsula for just the second time in human history. How cool is that, guys? Hurtigurten, which is a travel provider that I'm actually partners with, has two separate cruises taking place and will have professional astronomer on board. Other options include Silver Sea um, and Wildlife Specialist Nature Trek, which is chartering a 116th birth trip for the event. How cool is that? How cool to see something that has only happened twice in all of human history. So save the date, December 4th, 2021. If you're interested, book it now. (laughs) The Carrion Trail in Turkey. So lace up your walking boots, guys, and escape the crowds. (laughs) Turkey's longest hiking trail offers a window into the country's lesser visited southwest shores and hinterlands. The 530-mile route, completed in 2013, has its roots in ancient histories. Some stone paths are said to have been laid by Alexander the Great's men over 2,000 years ago. If you're anyone like me, I love history. And I remember when I was in Turkey, I went to Ephesus. And I was told that the marble path I was walking on, both Mark Antony and Cleopatra walked on, and I cried. How, like, to me, that is so, so magical and so cool to be a part of. Especially coming from the U.S. where, like, our oldest thing is a bell with a crack in it, you know? I just find it so cool to walk in an area see bathrooms, see, I mean, I don't even care if it's the shitter. You just get so excited seeing these things that are around 20,000, 2,000 years ago, 20,000, then you'd be seeing what dinosaurs. Um, but if you're, if you like history and you like adventure, definitely seems like the trip. So Dominica, this Caribbean island is bouncing back, guys. This, the mountains running down the spine of Dominica formed a natural shield, largely protecting the eastern Caribbean island called Watakubuli by the indigenous Kalingago from colonies, intrusions, and overdevelopment. Development. What Dominica's formidable terrain couldn't block is global climate change, which is worsening the effects of hurricanes. New jobs and adventure tourism are at the heart of an effort to restore and protect the island. Key to this is the Citizenship by Investment Program, which grants legal citizenship to overseas contributors who fund projects such as hurricane-proof homes and geothermal power plants. So last week, I had a guest on the podcast that talked about international volunteerism and how she has traveled to different countries to help rebuild after natural disasters. This is a location where that is actually quite popular as well. So if you are someone who's into that, um, plus adventure and giving back to communities, definitely look at visiting Dominica because they could really use your help. All right. Glaciers National Park in Argentina. Um, near Argentina's border with Chile, this 1,700-plus mi- square mile park encompasses sub- sub-Antarctic forests that preserve habitats for species such as puma, rhea, condor, guanaco, and the caliphate plant. But the park's main draws are the nearly 300 glaciers that cover almost half of this spectacular park. The most popular and accessible three-mile-wide Perito Moreno Glacier stands almost 200 feet above the surface of Lake Argentino. Travelers can ice hike on its surface to discover frozen waterfalls, ice caves, underground rivers before toasting their adventure with a whiskey on the rocks. That is cool. I want to do that so bad. (laughs) And last on our list of adventure is Savaneti region in Georgia. Located in the shadows of 15,000 foot peaks, the Savaniti region in northwest Georgia's Caucasus Mountains may seem forbiddenly inaccessible. Svan culture evolved over the centuries in isolation, developing a unique language and tradition such as ritual beard cutting. It's now accessible to intrepid adventurers via the upper Svanti section of the Trans-Caucasian Trail, a long-distant network aiming to link the Caucasian states of Georgia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. I said that wrong. I know I did. 
We'll just get a laugh. Trekkers with enough lung capacity to tackle a four-day high-altitude hike from Mestia, the regional capital, to Ushguli are treated to cool vistas of serrated peaks by day and warm receptions in Svan guest houses at night. That seems really cool. All right, culture and history. This is my area. I love all things history and all things culture. So I'm excited to see what we got here. Porto, Portugal, old world wine in a bold new setting. There's a new reason to visit Porto, the World of Wine Museum. Oh, that sounds amazing. Based in the Riverside Villanova de Gaia district of Portugal, which has long been where port wine from the Douro Valley has been stored for export, set in former warehouses, its six galleries cover the history of wine, cork, and drinking vessels, as well as chocolate, fashion, and city history. Coventry, UK. Sending someone to Coventry used to be a punishment, but my how things have changed. The UK's City of Culture for 2021 will focus on making the arts accessible as part of an overhaul of traditional City of Culture program. From the launch on May 15th right through May 2022, the calendar is jam-packed with events, including Castaway, an all-female dance show focused on the single-use of plus the single-use plastic crisis, and CVX Festival, which will bring together role models to work with the city's youth on social change and unity. That's really cool. Guam. The quincentenary of Ferdinand Magellan's arrival on the Micronesian island is being marked with respectful fanfare in March 2021, when a Spanish naval vessel will, care, will call as part of a commemorative voyage. This time, the indigenous Chamoru, who suffered fif- in 1521, will have the chance to tell their story, one whose chapters include the Magellan encounter, Guam's colonial history, and the realities of living at what dubbed the U.S. military's tip of the spear of the specific, in the Pacific. Guam's complex story is reflected in the Shemaru language, which blends Spanish, English, and Japanese. Victoria Gastias, Spain. Culture runs through the veins of the Basque city of Victoria Gastias, historically a commercial crossroads due to its prime position on the route connecting the medieval kingdom of Castile with northern Europe. Now, Vitorians continued the tradition of welcoming outside influences by hosting emerging and legendary jazz artists, such as trumpeteer Wynton Marcellus, the, whose Victoria Suite plays tribute to the city during the International Vic- Victoria Gassiez Jazz Festival held each July. Tonglu, China. Completed in 1350, dwelling in the Fuchun Mountains is the touchstone of traditional Chinese Shan Shui landscaping painting, a flowing visual journey that, when fully enthro- enrolled, extends more than 22 feet long. In 2021, it's back in the art spotlight. The first Tonglu Art Trinale will display modern art installations in fields and along the river, and the hope is boost rural tourism. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, I'm actually pretty, pretty surprised this one's on the list here, but they are calling it a brave new hub for discussions on race. Greenwood Rising, the name of Tulsa's new Black Wall Street History Center, set to open in autumn 2021, aptly describes the groundswell of support for sustainable socioeconomic transformation in the city's historic Greenwood District, site of one of the worst incidents of racial violence in U.S. history. To mark the centenary, the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre Centennial Commission is hosting speakers, concerts, and other events throughout the year to address the issue of systemic race in the country. I love this. (laughs) Um, As everyone knows here in the U.S. and all around the world, but specifically here in the U.S., it's been happening forever. It hasn't just come up. But more light is being shined on how unfairly Black people are treated in our country. And I think giving, you know, spotlight to this and actually teaching people and going through the history and really showing how we support the change that needs to happen and should have happened already is extremely important. And I think more places in the States and around the world need to be doing this. So kudos to Tulsa. I think this is awesome. And it's definitely something I want to look into. I have family out in Oklahoma and in Kansas 
And I think it'd be something really cool to, to venture to. The Pueblo Nations in New Mexico. As monuments to Native American oppressors are toppling, calls rise to honor Pope, who led the 1680 Pueblo Revolt that outs the Spanish from Native homelands. Although Spain regained control in 1692, the revolt is credited with ensuring the survivor, survival of Pueblo culture. Pope's legacy is evident in the state's 19 pueblos, including Taos Pueblo, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. The Indian Pueblo Cultural Center in Albuquerque, in Albuquerque is the starting point for exploring these communities, each a sovereign nation with distinct traditions. And lastly, we have Gyeongju, South Korea. Named Korea's Culture City of the East Asia, of East Asia in 2021, Gyeonggu is more commonly known by its nickname, the Museum Without Walls. The city located at the southeast corner of Korean Peninsula is home to an astonishing abundance of archaeological sites. Thanks to a nearly thousand-year reign as capital of the ancient Korean Kingdom of Silla, highlights from this golden age include UNESCO World Heritage Site listed Buddhist art and gilt bronze crowns excavated from jewels sparkling tombs. And last on our list is what are the best trips for family travel? And I know this is so important for many of you who do have families. I know it's not really solo travel focused, but hey, you never know who's listening. So the England Coast Path in the UK, beating a trail along England's rugged coastline. The colossal undertaking reaches fruition in 2021 is England's Coast Path. Coast path the world's longest seafront walking trail, stretching nearly 2,800 miles along rugged estuaries, inlets, and promontories. It is unveiled in its entirety. While some stretches offer unspoiled scenery and muddy trails, others have been curated with premium facilities and points of interest. Opened in September 2020, the 40-mile segment dubbed Cumbria's Hidden Coast, winding from Whitehaven to Milam, offers new cycling paths and the chance to try activities like rock climbing at Muncaster Castle. Meanwhile, the Southeast, a new trail christened England's Creative Coast, links artworks and plots out to geocaching tours across Sussex, Kent, and Essex. British Columbia, Canada. With an ingenious history spanning 10,000 years, BC is an ideal place to embark on a travel experience hosted by First Nations, Inuit, and Metis communities. The provincial capital, Victoria, is a great base from which to explore cultures of Vancouver Island. Hire an RV at, at stay at, or stay at an oceanfront indigenous-owned campsites, prime spots for whale spotting. Look out for orcas, gray, humpback, and mink, minky whales, plus dolphins, purpose, porpoises, sea lions, and otters. I'm getting tongue-tied, guys. This is a lot of information. Japan. No specific area, just Japan in general. With its mashup of pop culture and ancient tradition, Japan is irresistible for families. Head on to Japan in 2021, not only for the Summer Olympics in Tokyo, but also for the opening of the Super Nintendo World in Osaka's Universal Studios. How cool is that? If you're a gamer, definitely the place to go. Montenegro. How Montenegro fits so much in. This Adriatic escape is smaller than Northern Ireland, yet bursting with snow-capped mountains, jewel box lakes, rushing rivers, charming beach towns, and gregarious locals. Cheaper and less visited than neighboring Croatia and the Balkan islands, the, or the Balkan state looks to set a breakthrough year. Five national parks protect over 60 peaks and glittering slice of the Adriatic coast where hiking, biking, canoeing, and rafting are options ready for families. Florida, who would have thought, right? With Disney World, you have NASA Kennedy Space Center to Cape Canaveral to um, Universal Studios. New for 2021 is Planet Play, an out-of-this-world interactive area where kids can walk on the sun and slide through an asteroid field. And then six on the list is Hungary, covering nearly 200,000 acres of the Great Hungarian Plain in eastern Hungary, the expansive UNESCO World Heritage Site, Hordobagi National Park, preserves the largest remaining native grassland in Europe, as well as pastoral traditions dating back millennia. It provides a critical habitat for around 340 bird species, making it a top birding spot. And lastly, on the list of National Geographic's top destinations for 2021 
is Transylvania, Romania. I want to go here so bad one day because although I love history, I also like dark history and Dracula and all that mystical stuff. And I'm someone who would totally deal with the occasional dragon just for that all to be true. But one of the side effects for Dracula, the gothic horror novel by Irish author Bram Stoker, was that it transformed Transylvania, a perfectly real Romanian region, into a mythical realm, a cursed spot from this cursed land where the devil and his children still walk with earthly feet, as the writer put it. But what the author missed is Transylvania's pastoral old Europe reality with wildflower meadows, storybook castles, and cobbled lane villages. A farm stay here offers families a chance to unplug with hiking in Carpathian mountain forests, collecting eggs, milking sheep, and piling haystacks. Now, this is just not just a trip for families. This is definitely somewhere I would go solo in a heartbeat. Although traveling solo is one of the best experiences you can ever have, sometimes it does get kind of lonely. And sometimes it's really hard to find others who share that same passion of traveling and doing it on their own. And that is why I love Tourlina. Tourlina is an amazing app that allows women to connect with fellow female travel companions and locals within a secure and trusted network. It is safe and reliable. Every new user gets checked and only verified users can chat with each other. It's for women only, so you could still be part of that solo travel woman network. And it also just makes you want to travel. It's not a dating app and you're never going to travel alone when you join Tourlina. So my viewers, what's awesome is Tourlina is giving you 50% off a one-year subscription. Use code Sarah50 and go to Tourlina lena.com slash promo to get your 50% off. Again, that's tourlina.com slash promo for 50% off. All the details are in the description below. All right, my American listeners, as we all know, <laughs> we have a lot of restrictions on where we can go right now. And so although I went over the state of the industry and where, you know, the future of travel is headed, and although we have these amazing destinations that National Geographic has picked for 2021, in this present moment, we are so limited on where we can go. Hopefully by summer. We are opened up to all these locations again with just some, you know, minor restrictions, so on and so forth to, you know, go and explore that full list. But until then, there are still restrictions. And so I want to share with you some of the top locations that as Americans we can travel to right now. The first one on the list is Albania, which is on the Adriatic Sea, southeastern Europe. It's more under the radar than Greece, but we can enter without a PCR test. However, masks are mandatory and there is a curfew right now, um, at least until January 4th, which the curfew will get, then get extended. Um, you know, expect health screening at the airport, but nothing too invasive. We then have Antigua and Barbuda. So American visitors are welcome to come go to those islands pending they have a negative test. Um, all arrivals must complete a health declaration form and wear a mask in all public areas, and you have to register with the Ministry of Health and Wellness in on the islands. Armenia, which is kind of straddled between Asia and Europe, it's a landlocked nation, um, and, you know, pending a negative test within 72 hours, Americans can go there with no, no other restrictions other than, obviously, every location, obviously, you have to wear face masks when in public areas. Aruba, they're back open for business, which is super cool. Um, again, Online immigration card and a purchase of COVID-19 health insurance is required. Um, you also, again, 72-hour negative test. The Bahamas, you are able to go there with a travel health visa and a negative COVID test. You must take that test up to seven days prior to arrival. Um, visitors must present the confirmed travel health visa and test to the airline crew before boarding. Bangladesh, um, this is one of the more offbeat destinations on the list. Um, all U.S. citizens are required to present a negative test 72 hours prior to arrival, and you have to fill out some forms and things like that. But if you're good, then you are able to, to then, 
you know, venture out and do what you got to do. Barbados is another one on the list. Um, must complete. And, and most of these you have to do a negative. You have to have a negative test within 72 hours, fill out some forms. Um, we're still deemed a high-risk country. So you might have to quarantine in Barbados for up to seven days um, and report your temperature and this and that. Bring your own thermometer. Um, and then on day five, you have to get another test and you will be um, required to wear masks. So Belize in the Caribbean is another American area or another Central American country that is asking us to present a negative test within 52 or within 72 hours, or you could take a rapid test for $50 once you're in Belize. Bermuda um, is now open to tourists. You must take a negative COVID test um, up to five days prior, and then you'll get a wristband that you have to wear um, to show that you are negative. Bolivia, um, from the Andes to the desert to the Amazon, Bolivia has a lot to offer for us, you know, the adventure travelers out there. Um, again, if you provide a negative test taken within 10 days of your flight, you will be able to explore. Brazil. There is a do not travel warning on Brazil right now. However, it's still allowing U.S. passport holders to enter for stays up to 90 days, providing they arrive from air. Um, after December 30th, you need to take a test, obviously showing a negative um, result 72 hours prior to arrival and fill in a traveler's health declaration. Um, the BVIs, so the British Virgin Islands, all 60 of these islands are opened during the first week of December after nine whole months of closure. Um, they do have a COVID prevention program. You have to supply insurance covering um, COVID-19, medical coverage, negative tests up to five days prior. Um, you also have to apply for a travel authorization. And once you arrive, there's a second test that you will have to take and you have to activate contact tracing on your app. So a lot goes into this. Um, you also will have to have a wristband and it's about $175 for the test, the wristband and the app. Um, so if you're going to British Virgin Islands, you'll have to budget all that in. Um, we also have Colombia. They're on there. Again, negative test. Costa Rica, which was just on that last list. Um, you definitely have to have health insurance, um, $2,000 worth of coverage for coronavirus. Um, immigration officials have discretionary powers to decide the duration of your stay. <laughs> um, and you need to fill out an online health pass. And of course, face masks are completely required. Cuba, as long as you do not stay in a government hotel, you can travel to the Northern Caribbean spot. From January 1st, you just have to take a test and prove that it's negative within 72 hours. And then we have Dominican Republic from January 1st. Everyone will need to fill out an e-ticket for entry and exit. Um, until then, well, I guess we don't matter until then because this is coming out after January 1st. But you do need to take that test 72 hours prior. And there is a nationwide curfew from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. during the week. And from 7 p.m. till 5 a.m. on weekends. Um, amazingly, though, all arrivals get a free temporary health coverage plan. We also have Egypt on the list. Whether you want to see the pyramids or go diving in the Red Sea, you'll need to show a paper copy of your test taken up to 96 hours before arrival. Um, and you must have to, you wear, you have to wear a mask during that whole, whole trip. Um, French Polynesia, to check out these romantic islands, you need to show a negative test within the past few weeks or a few days before you arrive and fill out a health declaration form. Gabon, which is one of the locations we just talked about in National Geographic. Um, it also, there's no requirement for a test unless you're displaying symptoms on arrival. However, masks are required and there's a curfew from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. Haiti, um, the Dominican Republic's next door neighbor. Um, if you're from a state with high coronavirus levels, you do have to quarantine for 14 days. Ireland, while you still can visit Ireland without restrictions, the Irish government is urging people to only go for essential purposes. All, all arrivals must fill in a passenger locator form, self-isolate for 14 days, and agree to restricting um, movement. Jamaica, the tropical island of Jamaica, allowing American travelers in, but with certain restrictions. You need to apply for a travel authorization online and include a negative test from an accredited lab taken up to 10 days before your departure date. Then you will have to quarantine for up to 14 days at a selected hotel. So I don't see the point of a negative test if you still have to quarantine, but 
that's just that's just my <laughs> that's just my opinion. Uh, the Maldives in the Indian Ocean. It's still very popular for luxury travel. It is open to U.S. passport holders. You just need to present a negative test taken up to 96 hours before arrival. And some resorts do require more tests to be taken during your stay. So make sure you're paying attention to what your specific resort would like you to do. Um, each of the resorts also have their own different position on masks. Mexico, so from Cabo to Cancun, so on and so forth. There is health screening at the airports, but when it comes to masks and curfews, they're, they're highly regionalized. Um, some states, such as Quintana Roo, known for tourist playgrounds of Cancun, Cosmal, Playa de Carmen, are enforcing mask wearing in public, limiting how many people can enter shops, and installing hand sanitizer stations. Morocco. This one is also, you must have a present, you must present a pres printed copy of your negative test to immigration officers, taken up to 42 hours prior to arrival must complete a health declaration form and there's also a curfew from 9 p.m to 6 a.m so these are some of the areas that we are able to travel to there is a huge 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 list um these are not the only areas guys there are a bunch here you have south korea tanzania uh turkey turks and caicos uganda Definitely, if you're looking to travel abroad in the upcoming few months, there are places to go. You just have to be smart about it. Talk to your travel agent about it. And as Americans, you definitely can get out there again. But also, those staycations are definitely popular. They're amazing. If you're ever looking to see state-by-state -state travel restrictions, there is an amazing site that I will link in the description of this podcast where you can put in where you're traveling from. So, like, me from New Jersey and where I'm traveling to and it'll tell you what because of where I'm from what my restrictions are per state so let's say traveling from New Jersey let's say I want to go to Montana it'll tell me what restrictions Montana has for anyone from New Jersey um, it's a really cool site so look at that in the description below and thank you all for listening I know this was a longer one than usual but it's the first podcast of the new year and there was a ton of information to share. I hope you all had an amazing holiday season and I look forward to growing with you and talking more travel, planning vacations and seeing where we can explore in 2021. Happy new year, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Solo Travel Woman podcast. Please be sure to follow us on Apple Music and Spotify and give us a rating so we know how you're enjoying the content. Also, don't forget, sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with the latest information from Solo Travel Woman.